All right, back on the Young Turks, a couple of comments first before we go to the interview. Ambrose writes in in the member section, McCain doesn't realize she's a heel. They hired her because viewers only tune in to hate watch her. Uh, a little bit of truth in that. Chet's mom says, uh, or maybe a lot of truth. Chet's mom says, Megan acts like disagreeing with her is an attack on freedom and veterans and God and country. Megan, honey, you ain't all that. <laughs> okay. And then um, uh, Lamp007. Uh, Dun, 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 okay, on YouTube Super Chat uh, makes an interesting point. Uh, I'm 99% sure that Joy Behar watches Kyle Kalinsky. <laughs> I don't know about that, but Joy, uh, I worked with her on Current TV, uh, is a wonderful progressive, and it's great to have her on uh, The View. It's great to have her on TV. She's, I would say, one of like three progressives on all of television. So uh, bless her heart. Okay. I want to have a quick note for you guys. So we've gotten a lot of emails recently to get Pete Buttigieg on the Young Turks. We're working on it, brothers and sisters, and we are going back and forth with their campaign. So, so that might happen. That'd be great. We discussed it a little bit last night on Old School. If you want to check that out, become a member tyt.com/join. But if you want to suggest other candidates, great. We'd love to have that. So send your guest suggestions or tweet them to at Dan from the web. Dan from the web, he is one of our producers and producer of this segment called The Conversation. So look forward to that. Okay, Oh, by the way, Tim Ryan announced today, he's running as a corporate Democrat. How very, very bold, should be really, him and Klobuchar, it's really tight to see who's gonna win that one. Okay. So uh, that brings us to our guest. Not really, but let's go to our guest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Joining me now is Glenn Greenwald. He's one of the co-founding editors of The Intercept, uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning uh, journalist. Glenn, welcome to the Young Turks. Hey, great to see you, James. How are you? Good to see you, brother. All right. So uh, you and I have some disagreements over Russia and collusion. Uh, we're gonna air that out. It'll be fun. Uh, but first, uh, let's establish uh, what we disagree on. Because that is often the most confusing part of these conversations and, and where I think a lot of people get lost. So uh, first of all, um, you are not a fan of Donald Trump, correct? Correct, and you know, before I lived in Brazil, I lived in New York. So, and I was actually, as you know, a lawyer and I was involved in litigation with the Trump Organization. And if everyone who knows, who lives in New York knows that Donald Trump is a complete scumbag, he's indescribably corrupt. Um, he's only gotten worse over time, and as a human being, I pretty much consider him bereft of any human virtue. So yeah, I, can think, I think you can say I'm not a fan of him, and that's independent of all the stuff he's done as president that I find toxic and, and really horrible. Okay, I think that's exceedingly clear. Okay, so we're okay. gonna, we're good, gonna good. move on from that. Not to leave no doubt about that. Yes, okay. So um, do you believe that Donald Trump um, might have committed crimes such as uh, Campaign finance violations. Sure, um, I don't know whether or not you could make a convincing case that paying off somebody to keep quiet about an affair is a campaign uh, finance violation. Obviously, they convicted Michael Cohen on that because he pled guilty to it. Prosecutors declined to prosecute John Edwards on that, um, but clearly, the fact that they prosecuted Michael Cohen means that you can at least make a case that if there's money spent to silence somebody to help you win, 
that that counts as campaign spending, and if it's in violation of campaign finance laws, then you've broken the law. So would you be concerned or not concerned if the Democrats pursued him on that charge? Depends what you mean by pursued. If they were to investigate that, I think that would be completely appropriate. I think it would be the height of irony, of all ironies, if the Democrats decided that they wanted to impeach Donald Trump because he covered up or lied about a consensual sexual encounter that he had with someone who wasn't his wife, given what happened in the Clinton years. It's pretty much exactly what Bill Clinton did. I think most people thought that the impeachment of Clinton over lying about a uh, adulterous affair was completely absurd and destructive. I certainly did. And I would think if it led to impeachment over Stormy Daniels, no, I would not be in favor of that. I think it rises to that level. But sure, I think investigating it um, is a totally appropriate thing for House Oversight uh, Committee members to do. Okay, I, I would disagree only a little bit about that because I think that the paying the uh, 135,000, 150,000, a couple of different, uh, uh, different times that he did it. And hush money uh, and having someone else pay it is a more significant crime than, hey, did you sleep with that woman? No, I didn't. Ha ha, got you. Yes, you did. Uh, so I, I think there's it's a little apples and oranges, but I hear your point, and it's not perfectly germane to the rest of the conversation. So at least we're both clear on it. So let's move on. So um, so now let's get to the heart of the matter: uh, his dealings with Russia. So. I, I want to be clear as I have when I talk to Kakolinsky, Aaron Mate, and, and, and others uh, on this issue. Uh, I don't think that the election uh, collusion is uh, the biggest part of this story at all. Uh, so I don't agree with the Democrats. What does that mean? Does that mean that you don't think that it's valid and didn't happen? Or do you think it means there's just other more important things to talk about? Uh, I think that. Um, the Russians did try to quote unquote interfere in our elections, right. but it's pretty small ball, minor stuff. Like four million Twitter impressions is basically what you or I get in a week. That's that's not a big deal, and so it's not to say that they should do it. They shouldn't do it, and I I don't mind that Mueller investigated that and seems to have uncovered. And I'm picking the smallest part of it. Uh, there are other uh, ways that they did that, but come on, we interfere in people's uh, elections all the time, so including theirs, including theirs. Yes, including so, the so there's so, a lot. So I, I, I agree with that. Do you do, do you think that uh, Trump and his close family members and close aides criminally conspired or conspired at all with the Russians with regard to that interference? So I think that they would have loved to, but they couldn't. Uh, and and I have a theory as to uh, why. Uh, but in terms of um, the Trump Tower meeting, for example, so Donald Trump Jr. in response to an email saying Russian government officials would like to give you information about Hillary Clinton, says I love it. So they go and Manafort and him and and Kushner go to receive that information, and the Russians go, psych, uh, we're not going to give it to you. Now, I think that that goes towards they would have liked to have conspired the Trump campaign. But on the other hand, it also goes towards they didn't because the Russians didn't give them that information. So why did the Russians do that? My theory on that is they wanted to have even more compromising information on Donald Trump. And so sending an email saying we're gonna give you stolen emails. Now they didn't say stolen in the email to Trump Jr. to be fair. But we're gonna give you information which is already illegal to take it from a foreign government. 
and to have them show up at that meeting, get some some compromising information on on Trump. So to me, the Democrats are overhyping it by saying that that shows that there was collusion, but it's also fair to say that they did attempt to do the collusion. Right, so let me just make a point about that. Um, first of all, the, the, the reason we know about the communications that led up to the Trump Tower meeting is because Donald Trump Jr., once it was reported, published all of his emails because he believed that there was nothing in them that established any criminal wrongdoing. And Mueller has closed his investigation and didn't indict Trump Jr. or Jerry Kushner for anything, not for the Trump Tower meeting, nor for the hours and hours and hours of testimony that both of them gave both to Congress and to Mueller about all of these matters. He didn't indict any of them for perjury or obstruction of justice. He indicted other people. So if you lie to Mueller or to Congress, he was very willing to indict you for that. He indicted Roger Stone, um, George Papadopoulos, and others just for lying to investigators, Michael Flynn. Um, But he never indicted Trump Jr. or Kushner for any lies about the Trump Tower meeting, or Manafort for that matter, about that. And then the other thing that's always bothered me about the whole Trump Tower focus is that, I don't know, to be completely honest, it doesn't bother me in the slightest if you're running a presidential campaign and somebody calls you up and says, hey, I have some true incriminating information about your opponent. I don't think there should be, there's any, it's reasonable to expect that anyone is going to say, I'm sorry, I'm not willing to meet with you to get it just because you're a foreigner. And in fact, the DNC had people running around Ukraine, working with the Ukrainian government to get dirt on Paul Manafort and Donald Trump and got dirt on Paul Manafort and Donald Trump. That was really damaging. So the Democrats were working with the Ukrainians, the Russian, the Trumps were willing to accept dirt about Hillary from the Russians. I honestly think that any campaign, if you call them up and say, I have super incriminating dirt, would say, I'll meet you just like any reporter would do that as well. Yeah, so there's a couple of things I disagree with there, but I get, I still think these are minor disagreements. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah, so well, look, first of all- okay, I, okay, Jane, Can I just ask you before we move on to the bigger things, which I think you think is the financial ties, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of what your positioning has been on this the whole time. Yeah, can, can I just state my sure. uh, uh, small disagreements real quick? I, I think yeah. that Donald Trump Jr. published those emails because they already had them. So he's like, oh yeah, sure, here they are. Uh, but remember, I said that I didn't think that that was collusion. I, I'll go even further. Uh, Roger Stone goes to uh, WikiLeaks uh, to try to get the information. If they'd already colluded with the Russians, why would he have needed to go to WikiLeaks to uh, get the information? No, that, that point's critical. No, that. At that point, this is what I, the reason why I find that point, I'm so glad you said that because to me, this has been what's sort of been driving me crazy in this whole story is, and Mike Isikoff actually made that point on MSNBC to his great credit. He hasn't been back on since, but you know, um, hopefully he will be. But you know, at the moment that Mueller filed that indictment of Roger Stone, in which Mueller himself said, as recently as three weeks or four weeks before WikiLeaks published those emails, People in the Trump campaign were calling him saying, hey, try and find out what WikiLeaks has on Hillary because Julian was running around saying, I have dirt on Hillary. That right there should have made everybody in the media, in the punditry class say, wait a minute. If the if Trump people didn't know what WikiLeaks had all the way into August and September and needed Roger Stone to do everything he could to try and find out, clearly the kind of conspiracy that the Steele dossier laid out, the maximalist you know, year-long relationship between Trump campaign and Russia, 
to disseminate this information by Mueller's own reckoning was false. As you just said, why would they need Roger Stone to find out if they were in bed with the Russians and over the election? And so, Glenn, uh, I said that on day one uh, on Roger Stone, and I despise Roger Stone. Uh, I'm not sure there's anybody in the country I, I dislike more than Roger Stone. Uh, Alex but Jones? <laughs> um, no, Roger Stone beats him. Um, so uh, I, we try very hard to be fair and honest here in, in that regard. But look, if if uh, the Chinese came to Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren and said, "Hey, we have secret information on Klobuchar," first of all, I would laugh and laugh. Uh, but second of all, I would say, "Don't take it. Don't go to the meeting. That's crazy." So you and I do have a little disagreement. No, no but, but Jane, let's pick a better example. Just to, to me, and maybe you'll give the same answer. But this is the this is the question I always ask journalists, and you can apply it to a campaign. Let's say that in the lead up to the 2020 election, you know, in like June of 2020, some country that really hates Trump and doesn't want him to win, like Palestine or Ukraine or Ukraine or Venezuela or whoever, has hackers hack into his, into the Trump Tower, uh, into the Trump Organization or Trump's accountant and gets his tax returns and a ton of documents and they give it to a a campaign, the Democrat, the DNC, and they say this information proves once and for all that Trump is Trump is a bigger criminal than anyone even knows, and it will sink his campaign. And we want to give you these documents. Do you, as a journalist, take those documents and report on them? Do you think the DNC should take those and report on them, or do you think the, the posture should be, "I'm sorry, you're a foreign country trying to interfere in our elections, and I don't want this evidence that you hacked that shows that Donald." Trump Trump is a bigger criminal than anybody knows because I don't think you should be interfering in our election. Yeah, so I a good question and I have a very clear answer to that. So if you're a journalist or you're WikiLeaks and I would put that in the same category, of course you take that information. If you're the DNC or the Sanders campaign, do not take that information. It's very simple, direct them to NewYorkTimes.com, direct them to The Intercept, to The Young Turks. But don't take the information yourself because that's breaking the law and you don't need to, they should just Go to uh, to journalists to break that information. So I don't think that WikiLeaks did anything wrong, even if the emails were uh, stolen. So everybody else ran with them too. So I'm not in the Maddow camp. I'm not in the DNC camp. You're right, right, right. Uh, but but in terms of the election, again, it's to me it's more small bore stuff. But no, I, I think that I was concerned about parts of the election. So for example, the server in Pennsylvania. I have no idea if. Uh, Mueller looked into that or not, nobody has any idea if he looked into it. If he didn't, I'll be disappointed. If he did and said, "Oh no, that's nonsense. That server had that kept the Alpha Bank from Russia kept pinging Trump's server in Pennsylvania, and so did the DeVos family. And he looked into it and he found out that it was nothing. I'd be dramatically surprised, but I would accept that. Um, but we have no idea if he did or did not look into it. But it, right, we're not going to know exactly what he looked into until we see the report, which we are going to see at least some version of. Um, Mueller is working with Barr on the redactions. I think and I would hope that the full unredacted version goes to some small portion of Congress that usually handles very sensitive classified information like the Gang of Eight or whatever. I don't think anybody thinks the unredacted Mueller report should be released to the public. It probably has names in it of Russians who work with the CIA and um, probably describes how the U.S. found out what Russian hackers were doing that we wouldn't, if you were the U.S. government, want the Russians to know about. So I don't think anyone thinks the full unredacted Mueller report should be public without redactions. Um, 
and I think people, but there are people I think in Congress that need to see the full unredacted report. But it would be shocking, Jane, if somebody like Bob Mueller, after 22 months, having unlimited resources at his disposal, very aggressive prosecutors, didn't hunt down every conceivable lead. I know people so ancillary to this investigation who got subpoenaed by Robert Mueller, who got questioned by Robert Mueller, because Mueller knew that one day it's going to be public what he looked at. And if he didn't look at things like that server, people like you and everybody else were going to say this investigation was a fraud and a sham and Mueller's legacy and reputation built up over a lifetime would be destroyed. So I'd be shocked if he didn't hunt down every even frivolous lead just in order so that nobody can say there's stuff you didn't look at. So I really disagree, and that might go to the heart of our different points of view on this story. So the main thing that I'm worried Mueller did not look into, and the main thing that I'm concerned shows Trump's ties with the Russians, is his decades long financial dealings with the Russians. Which I would be shocked if it weren't criminal in nature, for the reasons that are very, very public, okay? so. But would I be surprised if Mueller didn't look into it? No, I was worried. I said on the program more than a month before the Barr's summary came out, brace for impact. I don't think he looked at his business ties. Why? Because he was giving a, given a narrow mandate, only look at the election. Now, I think that that's a foolhardy way to go because my thesis is if Trump is helping the Russians, it's because they have compromising information on him. If they, you want to know what the compromising information is, that's not during the election, that's before the election. So you should definitely look into that. But if he didn't, then this is deeply problematic. So Glenn, you understand what I'm saying by that? So I don't think what you're saying is true um, in the sense that if you look at the Rod Rosenstein letter, which I was just about to pull out, maybe someone can do that. Um, I don't think the mandate is anywhere near as narrow as you just described it as being. Um, the mandate asked wrote asked Mueller to examine links between the Trump campaign and the Russian government, as well as any attempt to collaborate or conspire in connection with possible interference in the election. And then, then can I get a? Uh, let's see if we can agree on this. If Mueller did not look into his financial ties, then would you agree that that, that does not exonerate uh, Donald Trump on whether he has had any illicit uh, dealings with the Russians? Right, I mean, obviously um, things that Mueller did not investigate Trump for are things by definition that the Mueller report and investigation cannot clear Donald Trump on, right? That's just by definition true, of course I would agree with you on that. Okay, and and by the way, I'll I'll agree in reverse. If if Mueller looked at it and he said, "Look, I had a team of guys who are experts on money laundering, looking to Trump's ties with the Russians." I mean, his sons keep saying we get all our money from the all our money from the Russians. They give it to us because they really like golf. Insane stuff like that. Sixty-three different Russian billionaires put money into Trump properties, but we looked into it, and it turns out it's totally kosher and it was all a coincidence. Okay, well then they looked into it. Uh, but so he, but here's but he, so I so, you know I I obviously you know I don't I watch your show a fair amount I see segments of it all the time I haven't watched every show so I don't want to make any definitive statements um, I think by the way that you deserve a huge amount of credit and I just want to say this um, for 
unlike most media outlets, having people on your network who radically disagree with you, Kyle Polinsky and Jimmy Dorn, first in time Michael Tracy, I don't know how often they were on your show, um, this show, but they were certainly part of your network and a lot of media outlets like MSNBC just refuse to put people on who disagree with them, which is really unhealthy. And I think you deserve a huge amount of credit. That's what a healthy media outlet does is it airs different opinions so the audience can make decisions. But I just want to ask you like, um, about your positioning. So there's a couple of things that I've seen you said that I'm not entirely clear about in terms of what you're describing now as your position. So in March of 2017, you said Trump may not last six months because of his dealings with Russia. Um, in May of 2017, you said that there's a group of people, you only named Michael Tracy, you might have met me, I don't know, you might have met others. You said have blinders on, and you said when Trump is finally marched out of the White House in handcuffs, then they'll see the truth. And then in August of 2018, you wrote in capital letters on Twitter, there is collusion. It's not a witch hunt. So was all of that referring not to collusion with the Russians about the election, but these financial issues that you're talking about? Uh, largely, yes. So let me be clear about one thing that I'm clearly wrong about, which is the timing. Uh, I thought he'd get caught much quicker. And for the same reasons that you outlined earlier, I thought Mueller's a professional, he's had plenty of time. I would notice that he hired a money laundering expert and I thought, oh, there we go, ladies and gentlemen, right? But it turns out he likely was using that for the Manafort case more than on Trump. So totally wrong on the timing. I think I lost a bet to Anna, my co-host on that. So in terms of, the collusion, yeah, I, I, I'm shocked that you guys can't see the most obvious brazen money laundering in, in American history right in front of your eyes, if, you, if that's the case. But that's why I wanna get you guys on the show and talk about it. And when I talked to Kyle well over a year ago, he said, no, no, that might be the case. And so, Glenn, if, if their money laundering is possible, well, then obviously the Russians would have enormous compromising information on Trump which might give him the incentive to do the things that he has done on behalf of Russia. And I know that okay. we'll have disagreements on so, that too. So, well, so what's that? for me, this is the key, right? So I think there have been two principal kind of what I call conspiracy theories. I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, I just mean that neutrally. Some conspiracy <laughs> theories are true. No, that's some, okay. conspiracy, <laughs> some conspiracy theories are true. There are people in prison for involving themselves in conspiracies. Conspiracies are real. I, I, so. All I mean by that is a theory about people working in secret in concert for a corrupt goal. So one of them is the collusion over the election, which we're kind of pushing to the side because you say that was never really that important to you. We have small disagreements, but they're essentially small. And you believe the much bigger kind of conspiracy theory is that Putin has leverage over Trump that he can use to coerce or force Trump to take actions that is in Russia's interest at the expense of the US. Is that a fair summary of what you believe? Yeah, that is a fair summary, yes. Okay, so this is, I just wanna, so let me just address that and just lay out my view on that and, and, and then hear what you have to say on that. So first of all, you, know, you referred earlier to the Manafort prosecution that the Mueller team oversaw and that had nothing to do by the judge's own reckoning with interference by the Russians in the election. That was completely unrelated. They investigated deeply right. Mueller's pre-2016 money laundering, failures to file lobbyist forms, all kinds of um, 
crimes that he was ultimately convicted for that had nothing to do with the original collusion theory, yeah. which I think strongly suggests that if Mueller was looking into Manafort's finances, there's certainly good reason to think he was looking into Trump's. But we're not going to know until the Mueller report is out whether he did. But this is the thing that is bothering me the most and about this entire thing, this idea that Trump has, that Putin has leverage over Trump. If you look at the behavior of Trump since he's been in office, contrary to the prevailing wisdom and what this theory necessarily posits, the reality is the Trump administration generally and Trump himself have repeatedly taken very belligerent and harmful actions, not to ancillary Russian interests, but to vital Russian interests, right? This minute, the Trump administration is trying to remove from power in Venezuela, a longtime and very important ally of Putin's in a very geopolitically important and oil rich country in Venezuela. He did something that Obama refused to do on the grounds that it would be too provocative to Putin, which I, I really praised Obama for, which was send lethal arms to the Ukrainians who were anti-Russian and fighting against Russia. I mean, that's pretty, you pretty much can't do anything worse to Putin than arm Ukrainians who are anti-Russian given the history of, of Ukraine and, and, and what it almost did to Russia. That's why Obama refused to do it. He said, I'm not gonna risk confrontation with Putin over something that's right in Putin's neighborhood, but not in ours. The thing that Trump did the most, that's probably the most damaging, and this is something he did personally, is he has been obsessed with badgering Germany and Angela Merkel, trying to get them to stop buying Russian natural gas, which is the most important thing to the Russian economy, and instead buy it from the United States on the grounds that, look, we're spending all this money on NATO to protect you, and you're buying and enriching Russia instead of us. Something that Putin is indignant over for really good reason. And I could go on and on. They built yeah. up a naval presence in the Black Sea. They bombed Putin's ally in Syria, something that Obama also refused to do over and over. They, did, they expelled diplomats and imposed sanctions on oligarchs. Way more belligerent towards Russia than the Obama administration was. To Obama's credit, but I think it's how, how can you justify or reconcile all these things that Trump has done against the Kremlin's interests with this theory that Trump is controlled by Putin? Yeah, so I, I uh, do believe that some of the things that you talk about aren't against Russia's interests. And I think that that's a valid and fair point. And I've had that conversation again with a number of people on the show. So the German pipeline, I actually think, is probably the best example. Um, so on the other hand, uh, he's also done incredibly strange things on behalf of Russia. So, and right, in, in regards right, what, what to Russia. So for, for, first of all, right after the election, he sends Eric Prince to go have a secret meeting with the Russians in Seychelles Island. Regular people don't do that. Presidents don't have send mercenaries to go have secret meetings with other government officials. That's crazy. Uh, so I don't know what rational explanation there could possibly be for that. Then when he's in meetings with Putin, he won't allow American translators into meetings. That is absolutely nuts. Uh, it's clearly covering something. After one of the uh, meetings, he takes the translator's notes. So he's covering something up, and so that's part of it. Now in terms of the actions, look, uh, one of the things he did and the, and the thing that he was most insistent on was no sanctions on the Russians. and he. The Senate votes 98 to two, then he turns around and goes, oh, God damn it, I don't wanna do these sanctions. But now I have to, because they could override his veto. And then he delays doing the sanctions. So what's a possible theory as to why he would 
uh, be insistent on not doing the sanctions, insistent that the Russians didn't interfere, didn't do anything wrong, uh, and and have all these secret meetings with Putin, uh, maybe potentially withdraw from Syria after talking, having one yet another secret meeting with Putin two weeks earlier than that. Uh, so one theory is, yeah, the Russians have compromising information on him, and from time to time, Putin will tell him do this, and he'll do it. But he's so damn stupid. He doesn't even know what Russia's other interests are. Putin has to lay it out for him. If Putin doesn't lay it out for him, he's like, "Oh, okay, I don't know. I want the energy. I'm against Germany doing the pipeline with Russia." Now you can say, "Hey, that's not a great theory," but I, but it is a theory, and it is certainly possible. And I don't know of any theory, but you're on the show, so you tell me of why Trump would desperately try to keep all these meetings with the Russians secret. Okay. So first of all, I think that it's very difficult if you want to assert a blackmail scenario to answer a long line of examples of somebody acting against the vital interest of the blackmailer by saying, well, there are also some things that they did in support of the blackmailer's interest. Because as I said, these are not ancillary things, the list that I made. There are things that, I mean, you could tank the Russian economy if you got Europe to stop buying natural gas. But, but um, can I just, can, I'm curious whether you agree with this. So other than arming the Ukrainians, I believe that almost any Democratic or Republican president would have done everything that Trump did, plus put sanctions on Russia, Plus, not withdraw from Syria. Now, I want him to withdraw uh, from Syria, but do all these like, other you know, things Obama that were. Obama didn't try to move Maduro. Obama refused to bomb Assad. Andy but refused that was after to try the second to remove set of chemical weapons bombings, if you believe that story, right? So it, it was a slightly different situation. And as you know, the bombing was purposely ineffective, and the Russians, and they, we did rightfully communicate with the Russians before the bombing. Right. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I, 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 my long list of examples. I put the bombing of Syria relatively low down on the list. I mean, although it is provocative, remember there was a huge bipartisan outcry, and there still is a lot of anger toward Obama for letting Syria cross what he called and is routinely referred to as the red line of using chemical weapons. And anger from Hillary Clinton, from Democrats, from Republicans that Obama didn't bomb Assad. And Trump did, albeit in a limited way. Um, but I think removing Maduro from power in Venezuela right this minute is another major example. Of, and they're really, that's not a joke. They're really trying to destabilize that regime that's very important to Russia and has been for a long time. Um, and I think, again, arming Ukraine is, I mean, that is not a joke. That, that's, that would be like if Russia... If there was an insurrection against the United States government in Mexico and Russia started sending anti-tank weapons to Mexico, you would say that's an act of war. The idea that the Kremlin could be simultaneously blackmailed by US leaders while they're sending arms to Mexico is something that nobody would accept. And yet Trump did that in Ukraine right on Russia's doorstep of the greatest geostrategic value. So um, Len, you say so what could be more important that than that? that? I, don't, I don't think the actions are consistent with that theory. So you say, what could be more important than that? There's always one thing that is more important uh, to people who are corrupt, the money. So the sanctions directly affect the money of the oligarchs and, and uh, Putin. So that, that, that is their number one concern by a landslide. 
Oh, the Ukrainians have arms. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not totally dismissing it. I hear what you're saying. It's an act of aggression. Obama didn't do it, etc. On the other hand, it's not like the Russians are going to lose to the Ukrainians, but their bank accounts they care about a lot more than they care about any geopolitical Russian interests. So, so let's talk about the sanctions um, and and also what you mentioned earlier about sending Eric Prince as a emissary to meet in secret with the Russians and. Um, the issue with the secrecy surrounding the meetings of Putin. So let's just pause for a minute to acknowledge that for decades on the left, a central tenet of leftist foreign policy, and not just on the left, but also kind of the isolationist, Buchananite, Ron Paul, right, um, has been this idea that we ought to, in every instance that we can, except when countries are directly threatening our borders, try and ratchet down tensions rather than escalate them and try and get along better with other countries. And Trump, when he ran publicly in his campaign, both during the primary in 2015 and the general election in 2016, explicitly advocated his view, which is a view that was advocated by Obama as well, that it's really dangerous to escalate tensions with Russia. Remember, these are two countries that to this very day have thousands of intercontinental ballistic missiles with nuclear tip aimed at one another's cities. When the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists raised its doomsday clock to two minutes before midnight, one of the worst uh, statuses for the human apocalypse since 1953, it listed besides climate change, the threat of nuclear war between US and Russia um, as the reason for that. Trump said, why do we consider Russia our enemy? We don't have a lot of adversarial um, items with Russia. We should be working, for example, in Syria against al-Qaeda and ISIS and not be trying to remove Assad, which was Obama's position as well. He tried to forge a partnership to bomb what they both regard as terrorist positions in Syria. Um, Trump said, I think that we can work together against Islamic radicalism generally. Trump, Obama worked with the Kremlin in order to do the Iran deal. The Russians were critical to doing the Iran deal. So this idea of, I mean, this has been a left-wing view for a long time, is sanctions are really devastating. They impose a lot of suffering on the population. They're legally an act of war. So if you are somebody who, like Trump, is saying we should make, make friendlier relationships with the Russians, that would be in the U.S. interest to do that. And it wasn't clandestine. He said it out in the open over and over. It was a part of his foreign policy. Um, just like he wanted to have good relations with the Saudis and the Israelis and the Emiratis and sort of realign the U.S. toward these right-wing authoritarian regimes that he thinks are in line with U.S. interests, it makes total sense that you would yeah. not want to sanction Russia. Mm. Just like the left has long been against Russia, against sanctions, it makes total sense also that if you're in a political climate where the media and democratic narrative is that Anything that you do that is standing next to Putin, talking to Russians, is a form of treason. Conversations no, no, you've had yeah. with the Russians have been leaked. They have had intercepted conversations like Michael Flynn's with this, the Russian ambassador that were leaked to the Washington Post. You'd be very worried about leaks that you're you need to be able leaders need to be able to talk to one another in secrecy and not be worried that those are going to be leaked. I don't think there's any any suspicions that are raised by that. And I think that it is incomprehensible that Robert Mueller would have investigated Donald Trump for 22 months. And in the midst of all these allegations that the Russians have leverage over Trump 
that Trump is serving Russian interests at the expense of the U.S., one of the most, one of the gravest accusations you can make about a U.S. president, that either Mueller wouldn't have bothered to look into that or that he would have looked into it, found evidence for it, and not told anybody about it. That's inconceivable. Are, are you kidding me? Did the amount of intimidation the Republicans did do not go across the red line and look into Trump's business interests? They said that a thousand times. Mueller's a Republican, so I'm not saying that he was biased. I'm saying that, as usual, the Republicans created a cauldron of pressure to not look at anything but the election. And again, we talked about. Well, we'll see, we'll see soon enough. How did they get Manafort if all they were looking at was the election? So, but I, I never said Manafort had anything to do with Trump. And so, why, why, why did they, look, why did they look into, why did they look into Manafort's past so that they could get him to flip? That's why. And they wanted to see if they could get him to flip on Trump. That's why they looked into his past. So that's an easy explanation. Look, I think this idea, Glenn, we gotta do, I gotta answer your question. I gotta, even though we're way past time, I'm gonna ask one last question too. But let me first answer. Look, this idea, there's things that Trump has done that I agree with. I wanna withdraw from Syria, I'm a progressive. I wanna withdraw from Afghanistan, I hate those endless wars. I don't think we should reverse that just because it's Trump. So I don't, again, I'm not in the Democratic camp. I'm not in the MSNBC camp. I hate the talk of red lines and all that crap, okay? But the idea that, that, that sanctions, and I have mixed feelings about whether we should do sanctions as a policy. But the idea that Trump deeply believes in this as a policy thing, and he's, he's really left wing on, Making sure that we don't have a conflict with Russia, and that's why he's against the sanctions. Well, but wait a minute, like wait a minute, Glenn, like Glenn, 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 hold on. If he is that concerned about not having conflict with Russia, then why did he do the Syria bombing, as you claim, and arming the Ukrainians, etc.? The idea that Trump actually cares about policy is preposterous. No, he's he cares about the sanctions, and ain't got nothing to do with policy. Because that's where the money is. That's where the money is. That's why it's the number one concern of the oligarchs and of Putin, and hence the number one thing that that Trump wanted to do for the Russians. That's my theory. Your theory is clear. But the last question I wanted to ask, Glenn, is you said, look, the Mueller report must exonerate Trump. If I'm characterizing it right, again, that's why you're here. Otherwise, Mueller would object. Well, it turns out now Mueller's team did object to bar summary of it. So you're you're not claiming like Trump that this is a total exoneration of him, right? Well, so no, no. So these reports are very difficult to discern and to analyze because not only are they anonymous, we don't know how many people are objecting, we don't know who they are, are they FBI agents, are they law investigators? But one thing we do know for sure, for sure, because every media outlet has now said it explicitly, is that the people who are objecting to Barr's letter are not objecting to the section where he said that Mueller found um, no evidence to establish conspiracy between Russia and Trump over the election. What they're objecting to is they feel that Barr left out things on the question of obstruction of justice, on whether or not Trump tried to derail or cover up or prevent Mueller from finding the truth. Um, Barr said in his letter, that Mueller said there's facts on both sides. You can look at it and say there was obstruction, or you can look at it and say it's just presidential prerogatives to fire the FBI director, to direct the Justice Department what to look at, and then therefore he couldn't reach a conclusion. 
So we don't know much about what these objectors are complaining about. We don't know specifically what they think should have been included in the letter or what they're complaining was left out. It's very vague. But we know for sure they don't have any problem with what Barr said about the collusion part. They only are objecting to the part where he um, said that uh, Mueller reached no conclusion on uh, obstruction. And of course, Mueller didn't exonerate Trump on the obstruction question. He explicitly said, I'm not making a finding one way or the other on that question. Presumably, that's something that Congress will often decide. Right. And that's why it, it, it would fit into my theory. It doesn't mean my theory is right. And we're all hopefully going to see most of the reports soon. Uh, that why would he do obstruction uh, if he didn't do the collusion during the election? Well, he would do obstruction because he was worried Mueller was going to leave. Hold it on. It happens here. all the time. People lie. Like, why did Bill Clinton lie about having sex with Monica Lewinsky, even though there was no underlying crime? People lie all the time to cover up things that are politically embarrassing but that aren't criminal. Yeah. So that's certainly possible. And the other possibility is that uh, he tried to obstruct the investigation because he thought Mueller was going to look into his financial ties with Russia and he would have been toast. Uh, and, and we're going to find out soon if Mueller did or did not look into his business ties. And if he didn't, it exonerates Trump of absolutely nothing. No, of course not. Of course not. But we should, but I, I just, the last thing I do want to say on that is, and, and I think we probably would agree on this. And we may not agree on the level of evidence that we now have available, but I think we all should agree that before we assert definitively the President of the United States is being blackmailed or controlled by a foreign power, which is a very inflammatory thing to say, we ought to have very concrete evidence that that's true. And if Mueller didn't investigate the financial questions that you're raising, I would fully support the Democrats doing it because I think when serious investigate allegations are raised about a president, that's what Congress exists to do and the media exists to do is to bring transparency to it. And I would fully support an investigation of all that stuff if in the very improbable scenario Mueller didn't look at it. Great, perfect, and we do agree on that. And so, you know, that's why I think that there's a lot of shouting back and forth and I'm guilty of the shouting as well. Uh, I don't mean in this conversation, but over the internet, right? Uh, and a lot of misunderstanding. That's why that I, I wanted to get folks on such as yourself so, so that we're, at least our positions are clear. And I, and I think that uh, we've gone a long way towards doing that. So I really appreciate you coming on, Glenn. Uh, hey, Jane, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, no problem, always. All right, Thank Bye. you, Glenn. Okay. All right, uh, of course, you can check out more of Glenn's work at theintercept.com. Uh, now, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, what was supposed to be the last half hour, but a little bit less of that uh, will, of the show will be, of course, for members only, as always. Brett's gonna come in with a fun video, uh, and then we're gonna make fun of George Bush, just for old time's sake. TYT.com slash join uh, to become a member and get that last half hour. We'll be right back. <laughs> 